0: Good morning and welcome to Coffee and Chit Chat with Kim. I am your host, Kim, and I am sitting here on this wonderful, beautiful Saturday morning on the north shore of Long Island, drinking my coffee. Just went out to the garden to check everything, let the chickens out, fed the chickens, fed the cats, did a quick scan over the garden, harvested a few cherry tomatoes and some cucumbers that I had out there. I admired my pepper plants because my jalapenos and my cayenne peppers are doing incredible this year. It is a pepper year for me, which is weird and unusual if you know me as a gardener because for many years, ever since I started doing this, I have struggled with peppers. Um, I still struggle a little bit with sweet peppers, but hot peppers this year are popping. I mean, wow. I have already made a jar of pickled jalapenos already from one plant. And I have, um, three jalapeno pepper plants out there and they are all filled with jalapenos right now. I have two cayenne pepper plants out there and they are both filled with cayenne peppers that I am going to take, uh, and dehydrate and crush them down into a powder. Um, what else is doing good out there? I mean, my tomatoes are good. There's a lot. I have a lot of tomatoes. They're just not ripening. So that's going to bring us to today's topic and what we're talking about. Um, Where have all the bees gone? Um, I have noticed a significant decrease in pollinators in my garden um, since last year. Last year, I had basically the same thing going on out there, and I had a lot of bees. This year, I'm happy if I see one or two in the garden while I'm out there. Not to say that they're not out there working, I'm not gonna see every bee all the time of every single day, but um, from what I notice, and I'm, I'm really looking for them. So what I've noticed is that there's not so many there anymore, so we're gonna talk about that today. We're gonna talk about why bees disappear, what can we do to help them flourish, and um, some different organizations that you can check out to help save the bees and why they're so very, very, very important to this world, especially right now. Um, Before we do that, though, let's get into our little chit chat session of the day. Go ahead and pour your potion of choice. I have today just some regular coffee. Shocking. I know. No creamer today. I ran out food shopping is tonight. So I have just a regular cup of coffee, but that's doing just fine for me this morning. might go ahead and pour myself another because it's just that kind of day. It's actually just been that kind of week. Let's face it. Last six months. Okay. I just, my life has done a complete like what the heck are you doing girl kind of day. And I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's been a rough week. It's been a rough week. A lot of sick kids at camp and, uh, woke up this morning not feeling so hot. And yeah, so my story continues. Um, but I want to go ahead and read you a quote that I really have been focusing on, um, well, trying to focus on for a long time now. And, uh, it, it's very significant and I want you to really, really think about this quote. This is a quote from Buddha. Now, I'm not a Buddhist and I don't um, worship Buddha. Uh, I respect the practice, the religion. so uh, but I think that this quote is uh, real deep. So listen. not very long, okay? It says, "No mud, no lotus. Wow. Wow. That hits me in so many different parts of my life right now. Um, yeah. So things have just been a struggle lately and just trying to figure out where I fit in, in this world and realizing more and more every day. Um, I don't know how to say it. I just realize that I don't pick up on a lot of social cues. And being autistic and having ADHD, it kind of comes with the territory, I guess. And um, sitting there and thinking about it and thinking back in my past on all of the times where I felt so super awkward around people, I realized that I just missed that social cue completely. I had no clue what was going on. And I have a lot of moments like that now in my adult life that um, sometimes I just don't get it, you know, and I feel awkward and I feel like people don't like me or they're talking about me or, um, you know, just a, a real kind of like paranoid feeling almost because I don't know how to act sometimes in social settings or around a lot of people or I get very, very overwhelmed, um, overstimulated And it's just really hard for me sometimes. So if I'm ever with you in a crowd of people, please don't take offense if I just step away. Because that's just me trying to uh, rewire my brain. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So um, it's it's hard. And for everybody out there who has uh, social anxiety or you're autistic or you just don't like being around a large group of people... Um, I feel you on a whole different level. And I feel like as I get older, it gets harder because, uh, you know, society, set, they set like this standard, you know, like where you're supposed to be at what age. And for people who struggle every day um, with a mental disorder or with a developmental disorder or whatever you want to call it, Um, sometimes even though in years I'm 41 years old, in my brain, I feel like a 12 year old sometimes. And, um, I can't help it. There's nothing I can do. It's not like I'm like, Hey, let me act like a 12 year old, but that's just who I am. And I have been working with myself on, you know, how to get better and maybe teach myself how to, uh, pick up on different social cues and stuff like that. But, You know, after struggling and trying so hard all the time and working really hard to fit in, you kind of have to just sit back sometimes and go, why are you working so hard to fit into somebody else's standard when this is just your true spirit, your true self, and why is it not okay to just be your true self? Why do you have to try to fit into what society thinks you should do, you know, like, there's there's certain things that I look at women the same age as myself and I'm like, why am I not like her? Like, why don't I have my shit together like she does? Like some people my age, you know, have been married, divorced, and remarried by now, and you know, have kids and they have the house and the car and the great job and all these things and their life is Instagram perfect. And, you know, sometimes you sit there and you're like, what? I would just eat ice cream for breakfast. Like, I don't think that that person in that Instagram photo had ice cream for breakfast because they seem to have their shit together and they have like a real job with a real house and like all these things. And, and as a person of the same technical age as that person, you sit there and you're like, wow, my life is so completely different from that person. Why, why isn't my life more like that person? And I've done that for a long time, for a long, long time. I can remember just sitting there and going, why am I not like that person? I have to be like that person because society says when you're 30 years old, you're supposed to be like this and that person is killing it. And I need to be like that person. But it's taken me a long time to realize that I don't have to be anything. I just have to be me. I just have to be happy in my own mind, in my own soul. Um, And I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks anymore. I really don't. 41 years old, I don't care anymore. I have done a lot of soul searching and I'm on a journey and if you guys know, you know. Um, And I've just come to realize that the only way all of my manifestations are going to come to reality, the only way to do that is by being my true self and by masking and by trying to be something that I'm not, I'm never going to find true peace. I'm never going to find true happiness. And that is completely devastating for me when I think about it. So I have decided that I am no longer going to abide by society norms. And I am just going to do what makes me feel good. And anybody who has a problem with that, so sorry. But um, I don't care. So yeah, so that's kind of been like the last couple of weeks, months, dare I say, that my thinking has gone that way. And I came across that quote and I was like, dang, that hit so hard, but so true. You know, without mud, no mud, no Lotus. That means if you don't go through the shit, if you don't realize that you're in the mud, how could the Lotus ever appear? You know? So I've really been doing some thinking on that. Now it is Oracle card time. So a couple of times now I have pulled, um, my Oracle deck out with you guys here on the podcast and I have done a live Oracle card pull reading for myself and I've explained what's going on here. And, um, uh, if you guys are not comfortable with this, go ahead and mute it for the next few seconds. I take no offense. Um, but I would hope that if you stick around, you might learn a little thing or two so i am going to pull my oracle deck out and this is the hedge which is um oracle deck botanical oracle cards and it comes with a field guide so as you guys know when i do my oracle reading i don't do tarot but if you are into tarot stick around because it will explain how this can coincide with the tarot deck um so i'm going to go ahead and pull my cards out now go through my process. I'll explain everything along the way. If I remain quiet for just a second, don't be alarmed. Your headphones didn't stop working. I am just being quiet for a minute. So um, come with me. Here we go. I take my deck out and I pass it through my incense. Right now I have some patchouli burning. All right. And then I'm going to take my deck and I'm going to hold it in my cards and state my intentions. I sit with the deck in my hands for just a moment, releasing and feeling the energy transfer between. Clear your mind as best you can. If you have ADHD, I know that can be hard sometimes. Try to focus and then shuffle. If a card falls out, turns over, sticks out, that's probably your card. If not, then keep shuffling until you feel comfortable and pull your card. This is interesting. Okay, so the card that fell out today is um, the Morel, the Mushroom. And it is Regenerate. (laughs) this is going to be a good one. Okay. Let me go to my field guide and open up to that coinciding plant. Let me just find it. Here we go. Okay. I'm going to read what the field guide says to you. All right. If I can just see it, that would be great. Highly prized as a culinary ingredient. The morel mushroom is one of the most sought-after foragers' delights. Despite many attempts, this is still an undomesticated organism and can only be found in the wild. They are rich in vitamin D, iron, and B vitamins. Should never be eaten raw, and proper identification is essential. As you know, dear reader, many fungi are friendly, but some can be toxic or even deadly, so please use extreme caution. For any interested forager, I would highly recommend seeking out a local expert or group, which can be loads of fun and will open your world to all sorts of new outdoor adventures. When looking for them, you will most often spot them under or around pine, elm, tulips, sassafras, beech, ash, sycamore, and hickory. However, ash and elm seem to be this fungus favorite especially if the trees are dead or dying. Fruit orchards can also be a good place to find them. Morels pop up in each spring. She, uh, When the leaves on deciduous trees are about the size of a mouse ear, soil temperature is another key to knowing when um, they will appear. Use a meat thermometer to test soil. If it's around 50 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 10 degrees Celsius, morels start should start appearing with regularity They can be elusive and mysterious so hunting them down is half the fun in forested areas they have damage uh that have been damaged by fire Uh, they will often come back with a stronger bumpier crop in the following year this quality has inspired its oracle property regeneration Rotting stumps and deadfalls, scorched, clear-cut, or disturbed ground can be the best places to find them. Though many have tried to cultivate morals, their efforts have met with very little success. The natural cycle of forest life and death is essential to this organism. Relating it to the tarot card, death, which reminds us that devastation is often the gateway to regeneration. Well. Yeah, so I have been doing my shadow work. Um, I'd say I'm about seven months really into it right now, like really significantly deeply into it. And um, yeah, I'm going to keep that just to myself for now. But I can tell you that this card really does apply to my life at this very moment. Wow. Wow. I'm happy that I do these with you guys because I feel like I have a lot of closet um, witches or people who are just interested in um, an alternative spiritual world or, you know, whatever. Whatever your interest is, sometimes it's not easy for you to express that to anybody in your social surroundings. So I really do enjoy coming on here and speaking about it with you so this way you feel like somebody else um out there in the world believes the same things you do and it's okay and you shouldn't be afraid to say what you believe so i am going to take a quick break right now when you come back we're going to talk about the bees where they've gone what we can do to help and um the seriousness of this right now So go ahead, refill your coffee or whatever you're drinking. I'm going to top up and I will be right back. Stick around. All right, everybody. Thank you for hanging out. Um, So let's get into today's topic and why I'm talking about this topic today. So as I mentioned before, my garden is not doing bad, but not doing as best it can be. And that's because I've noticed a significant decline in the amount of pollinators in my garden this year. I don't know what's going on. I haven't changed any techniques or methods, really. I've planted all of the same flowers and um, I make, I try to encourage as many pollinators in my garden as possible, but it seems that this year um, I don't have as many butterflies in my yard and I don't have as many bees in my yard. Now, I am an organic, 100% organic gardener. I don't use any type of Herbicides, pesticides, nothing like that in my yard ever. I don't spray for ticks. I don't spray for mosquitoes. I don't do anything that's going to jeopardize the health of any living organism in my yard. And although that um, pests like mosquitoes and ticks, I don't really want them there, but I'm not going to take the chance of killing everything else by trying to kill those two. You know what I mean? So find alternative ways to get rid of those things. If you have a lot of mosquitoes, if you have a lot of ticks, try hanging up some bat boxes in your yard. Bats will eat the heck out of those things. Oh, mosquitoes? Shoot. Ticks, if you have chickens and you're able to, Let them free range. They will take care of your tick problem for you. So you see, there's many different things that we can do um, before we go ahead and spray this toxic chemical over everything because you don't realize that when you're trying to get rid of one pest, you're killing so many, you know? So I think maybe somebody around my area sprayed something and Maybe that's why my bees are not showing up and working. Uh, which is devastating to me because I I try so hard to be chemical free. Uh, and it's so very, very important to me that I would hate to see my neighbors just putting toxic chemicals into the air and they don't realize that while they're spraying their yard, they're also spraying the neighborhood. They're, they're really damaging everybody. And this year around my area, well, within the past two years, I'm gonna say, since you know the evil word COVID started, um, a lot more people have gotten into backyard gardening. Um, A lot more people are keeping chickens in their backyard now. So it's very scary to think that people are not thinking about that, that people are not thinking about when I spray this toxic chemical up into my trees to get rid of um, ticks and stuff like that, um, the wind is going to take those chemicals and it's going to release them on everything and everyone around me. Uh, can we just get rid of this stuff altogether? Why, why are we still using this shit? I'm not understanding why it's still okay to be spraying toxic chemicals into the earth, into the air. Don't we have enough problems already? Can we just eliminate this altogether? Because honestly, I'm so very angry right now because people just don't care. You know like how many more warning signs do you need before the earth completely explodes like what what are you not getting and it it makes me angry so i decided let's talk about it let's talk about what's killing the bees what can we do to help um can we spread awareness can we ask people please don't kill me with your toxic chemicals like What are things we can do? What are some organizations we can get in contact with? How can we help? Can we donate? Let's do it. Let's save the bees because they're very important for our survival. And I'm gonna tell you why right now. So humans can credit pollinators, you know, bees for about one in every three mouthfuls of food that we eat. Um, But as a habitat loss, and heavy pesticide use continue to wipe out bee colonies, more than 700 species of North American bees face potential extinction. 700 species. First of all, did you even know that there are 700 different species of bees I didn't think there were that many, but there are. So obviously there's a lot of things we don't know. So let's continue reading and maybe we can educate ourselves and everybody else out there and we can save our own lives. Um, As bee populations decline, honey producers have taken to intensive factory farming of pollinators. Um, but as much as like a pig factory farm doesn't protect pigs, honeybee farms, they don't actually protect bees. Uh, so here's why, uh, we're kind of helping to wipe them out as bees pollinate plants. Okay. They collect tiny drops of nectar to make honey, which provides essential nourishment for them and the queen's, um, babies, especially while they're hibernating over winter, right? So they have to dry out the nectar and add enzymes from their bodies to convert it into honey, which then can be used for nourishment. So during this process, a single worker bee may visit as many as like 10,000 flowers in a day. Think about that. 10,000 flowers in a day in order to produce just a teaspoon of honey over the course of her entire life lifetime. So I want you to take those numbers and think about them real, real hard and think about how many bees it actually takes to keep this planet alive. And this is something that when I do my um, classes on the farm with the kids and we go over to the gardens and stuff like that, or when we're planting something, this is something I talk about all the time. It's really important to me. It's really important that I educate people about bees. It's really important that I tell kids that bees are not as scary as they think they are and not to kill the bees and why they're important and why we want them to come and visit our flowers. Um, So it's something that I am very passionate about. As you can tell, I talk about things like hardcore when I'm really passionate about it. And this is something that I really need you guys to hear. Okay. On a factory farm, this queen will never benefit from all of her labor. So after the beekeepers take all the honey from the hive, they keep the bees alive by feeding them like a sugary syrup and other, you know, subpar nutrients, or they just kill the entire hive. And that can be anywhere between 20 and 80,000 bees, 20 and 80,000 thousand bees that's a lot of bees man so to be a queen in nature uh, when a new queen bee is about to be born the old queen will take some of the hive members and find a new habitat you know to start a new colony so she kind of bounces you know two females in the same house kind of deal you know what everybody says same thing with like cats and stuff like that you'll see and notice if you have cats two females sometimes they don't really get along same kind of idea with the bees and their queens okay so if you ever see a swarm of bees it's likely that it's just like kind of like their moving day you know they don't want to bother anyone unless you go over there and you're like threatening to kill them but they're not trying to bother you they're just trying to move Um, And this is where uh, beekeepers, when they see the swarm of bees, this is how they collect their bees as they're all gathered and working together. It's really easy to collect them into a hive at that time. So um, the division of the hive can cause a decrease in honey production. So beekeepers, they may clip the wings of the new queen or confine her or kill her and place her after like one or two years. Even though naturally, queen bees can live up to like seven to eight years. So it's factory farming at its best, you know. The stressful, unnatural living conditions, the malnutrition, the cruelty, um, it can weaken the bees' immune systems. And then it makes them more susceptible to disease. And then they're not able to withstand any kind of a harmful pesticide. And that's when we kill all the bees. Um, so to be a honeybee, okay. No animals, regardless of size, deserve to be exploited for their labor. And although I love honey, um, I don't, I prefer to buy honey from somebody local as opposed to going to the grocery store and buying, you know, stop and shop brown clover honey. Because, who knows where that came from and what kind of bees and what they're doing. And some people out there might be like, Kim, they're bees. Like, who cares? I care. It's important to me. It's a living creature. So if you think this is a little extreme, I'm so sorry, but you can move on. But This is important. I need you to hear it. Okay. So here are several ways that we can help bees naturally so they don't have to be so violently disrupted in their life, okay? By planting flowers, including sunflowers, lilac, lavender, um, things like a flowering cactus, if you're in that climate, um, they'll provide bees with nectar and pollen. And for those of us with like apartments or condos or you say you can't grow a plant or something, even growing something like an herb Like if you put some parsley in a pot and put it on your windowsill or your balcony, if you're in the city, you can help feed the bees and, you know, they'll keep your plants alive. Um, Let bees keep some of their honey. Let's not be so greedy. You know, they need it for nourishment um, more than we need it to flavor our tea. So it's more important for them than it is. It's not going to Although we use it in herbal medications and stuff like that, it's not going to, we're not going to die if we don't have it. If the bees don't have it, then they'll start to die off. So if you are keeping hives, um, leave a frame in there for them, you know, we don't need it all, you know, that's all I'm saying. Um, you know, we can always use other things like maple syrup and agave nectar and molasses, um, things like dandelion and apple honey, you know, um, all sorts of other sweeteners are available, but not for bees. Let them keep their beeswax, which they use to build honeycombs. Okay. Plenty of companies make stuff with beeswax, um, and They don't really need to because there's other types of things that you can use to make like the candles and stuff like that where you don't have to bother the bees and use their wax. Um, You know, when the bees are just left alone to be what they are in nature, they will help us. So saving them means saving ourselves, you guys. It's so super important for people to to understand and realize that, that we really need to step it up on helping these bees. I think, who is it? Is it um Morgan Freeman who like bought a whole bunch of land and just made it for the bees? I think that is so awesome. I, I love it. Um, there were a few other things on here. Uh, i was looking at this article online about the bees and this is uh, the website is called savethebee.org you can go on there and check out um, what they have to say and the projects that they have going on and you can also donate to them as well if you don't have the ability to donate funds um consider that when you start making a garden or something like that, focus on native plants. And I know we all love the pretty beautiful plants that we get from Lowe's or Home Depot sometimes, but sometimes they're not always native to our specific area. Now, people will say, you know, they'll sum us all together and say the Northeast, but the Northeast is different like here for me on long island i do not have the same type of weather or climate as people up north like even upstate new york completely different growing zone all kinds of things different atmosphere different everything um people in maine they're not going to have the same type of weather and stuff as i do here it's different Um, So even though we're all in the same area, we might not all have the same type of native plants. So consider that when you start a garden, um, check out what's native to you. Go to your local nurseries, talk to people, figure out what can you do to help keep the bees around. Because pollinators are essential to life and to the biodiversity of our planet. Honeybees populate 80% of our agricultural crops. Why 80%, Kim? Well, because some um, plants don't need outside pollination. They'll they'll self-pollinate. So for the plants that are not self-pollinating, those bees are pollinating them. So 80% of our agricultural crops are pollinated by honeybees. One third of our diet requires honeybee pollination. Think about that, man. Annual honey bee colony loss has averaged 40% over a decade. That's because of the, the use of pesticides. It threatens all pollinators. Poor nutrition results from the loss of diverse foraging habitats. We have to do better. The earth is screaming at us. And if you don't hear it, please listen harder. I'm begging you, we need to pay attention. And I know people have busy lives and things to do and go, go, go all the time. But please just think about opening your refrigerator. I want you to go to your refrigerator and open it up. Okay. Do you have produce inside of your refrigerator right now? Any type of produce? You can thank the bees. Because without the bees, you wouldn't have produce in your refrigerator right now. Without the bees, we will die. And I cannot stress that enough. And like I said, I tell the kids that if we want to be on the earth, we have to be nice to the bees. Because once we're not nice to the bees, we're not going to be on the earth. And if you can't see what's going on around you right now with there being food shortages. Okay. More and more people getting into gardening, homesteading, backyard chickens, living off their own land, having a sustainable life. More and more people are getting back to their roots, homemade whole foods, preserving, canning, fermenting, all the things, Don't you just find it a little bit strange how in the middle of a food shortage when gardening and homesteading has soared, all of a sudden the bees are disappearing? I find it weird, okay? Just think about that for a minute. And if you're a conspiracy theorist like me, you'll understand where I'm going with that one. Um, But also, guys, it's just... There's a lot going on on the earth. Natural disasters are happening every single day. Human rights are being taken away. People are being treated like garbage, like they don't exist. Humanity is imploding on itself and the earth is tired of our shit. Okay. So please, I beg you help take care of the earth she'll let us stay if we don't she's gonna kick our asses out of here real soon so be kind to people find true happiness in your soul live your best life get out there get your hands dirty get them in the soil feel the earth in your hands and don't ever take it for granted plant the seed Watch it grow. Enjoy your harvest. Live your best life. Be content with what you have. Treat the earth with respect and your life will be fantastic. You guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I ask you to go and just visit your local nursery, ask them about native plants. Find out what you can do to help save the bees in your area and in return, saving the earth. You guys, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you on the next one. I love you.